Good evening, everyone. It's so good to see all of us here this afternoon. Trust we are all doing well, keeping safe. I know the weather is very hot now. Keep hydrated. Let us look to the Lord this afternoon as we look into the Word together. Let us pray. Father Almighty, we come before you this afternoon. We look to you, to your grace and mercy for all that is happening in our lives, the ups and downs. Lord, we thank you that you have been a faithful God. And as we look into your word today, Holy Spirit, we ask that you, the Spirit of truth, will lead us into all truth. Grant us insights and understanding into your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. You know, the passage today in Joshua 23, as I was preparing this and thinking about it, of course, we know that, Josh, that uh, um, the modern Israel uh, is under attack. So my heart was quite heavy, and I said, God, what do you want me to say? And of course, we know that God will look upon His chosen people, Israel, and we all know that land, land is very important. One of the major themes in the Old Testament is land. As much as land is, was very important to the ancient Israel, the, the conquests and, and the possessions of many land that God promised them. And today, we see that the war that is going on in the Middle East is also about land. So land is very important today. The war-torn countries, even the other countries that are at war, is also fighting over land, over the issue of land. I, I, I was just thinking that maybe I should try to be as short as possible if I can. And we will leave the time, some time, for us all to pray for Israel. I know that we have just done so. But we want to offer our prayers to Israel, for Israel as often as we can. Scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we want to do that. And we want to obey that. But first, we need to continue with our sermon series. Huh? So we have come so far now, in, now to the concluding chapters of Joshua, chapter 23. It is, the book of Joshua is believed to be a memoir, a reflection of the life of the man himself. So at this point in time, as we saw in last week's sermon, Pastor Darren has brought us through from chapter, two, chapter 13 all the way to chapter 21. And it's all about the conquest, the location of land and all. And so, and, and we learn the tribes were given their promised inheritance. Let's take a look at the map, okay? This map, yeah, that is on the screen. So you, you see that they, they, have, they have all been given a locate and, and given their land as an inheritance. As you read in, in Joshua 13, 
you will, you will read about all the land that were given to this tribe, to that tribe, and, and all the 12 tribes, to all the tribes, in fact. And there is one particular tribe that was not given land of their own. Can anyone tell me which tribe do not have a land of their own? I have a little, I have a little gift for you. Lift your hand and tell me. What, Danny? Levi, very good. I have a gift for you. Come, 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 come. Come. Just pick one. Okay, another question. Anyone know why they are not given land? Yes, the Levite, our modern Levite, you know the answer? Come in. Uh, okay, that can be considered answer. You want to cry? Anyone else knows the answer? You know Levites. The Levites were set aside as what? As priests, right? So every tribe needs priests, right, to take care of their spiritual matter. So they are all over, all over the land, all over the different tribes. So, so they were scattered all over, and. They, they, their duty was to look after the spiritual needs of the people. Now, before we look at chapter 23 proper, let's take a look at chapter 22. We stopped last week at chapter 21, so I must talk about chapter 22 before we go on. Chapter 22, two, before, before I screen, show, show the different things, two things happened. It was divided into two parts. The first part, was about Joshua talking to the people. The second part was a misunderstanding. So in this particular chapter, first thing happened, Joshua called the leaders of the two and a half tribes whose land was on the other side of the River Jordan. Can you remember the names of these two and a half tribes? We mentioned it so many times. Huh? Don't just... I can't hear you. The two and a half tribes. Reuben, Gates, and the... It's a half tribe, huh? Half tribe of Manasseh, yeah. So it's Reuben, Gates, and the half tribes of Manasseh. So these are the two... These were the two and a half tribes. And so they have done their job. So Joshua called them, commanded them for keeping their side of the deal and that they have fought with the rest of their brethren until now. Then he charged them. He charged them. He gave the same charge later on to the people. He charged them to carefully obey God and walk in His ways. You can look, that, look at that in chapter 22, verse 5. So he charged them to obey God and walk in His ways. Then Joshua blessed them. And then they started to make their way to the other side of the Jordan River. So, can you imagine if you are one of the two and a half tribes, you have feel that you have fulfilled your promise, you have done your job, and now you're going back to see your families. Wow, they must be rejoicing and singing as they go. Then just before they crossed the Jordan River, they built an altar. 
Chapter 22, verse 10 says that they built an imposing altar, meaning that it was a large altar. This is where the misunderstanding came about. However, when the rest of, the, of Israel heard about it, they were very upset. They thought that these two and a half tribes, after doing the, fulfilling their duty, was going to stage a rebellion. They thought that they were going to say, okay, bye-bye, I've done my job. Now you take care of yourself. We're going to build our own nation. So that was what they thought. So they sent a group of people, a delegation, to go and confront the two and a half tribes. Why on earth they built their altar? And so when, when the leaders of the two and a half tribes explained that this altar was not meant to be an altar of sacrifice. It was not meant for them to put sacrifices on it and worship God. The altar was to be a weakness. A weakness between the two, the two and a half tribes and the nine and a half tribes. That they were serving the same God and that God had been faithful. That was they, they, built this, they built this altar not on their side of the land, but on this side of the land while they are still in Canaan before they cross over. So it's also a good indication that they were not trying to be, um, trying to divide themselves or pull themselves away from the main group. That is why in, in, at the end of chapter 22, it was said that, and the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad call the altar weakness. For they say, it is a weakness between us that the Lord is God. So it was supposed to be, it was meant to be a weakness and not an altar of division. They were not, there was no division of any kind in their mind and all at all. So from this chapter 22, what lesson can we learn? There's only one lesson to learn uh, from this misunderstanding, and that is don't jump into conclusion. They were the nine and a half tribes were quick to jump into conclusion. They speculate, they assume, they presume. And for us, the lesson is that we should learn to get our facts right before jumping into conclusion. If we do all of that, like this man there in, in the image, if we try to speculate, guess, estimate, wonder, suspect, and presume, we always think of the negative, right? And then when the truth is out, sometimes we get embarrassed. So let's learn to get the facts right. And it is the truth that will set us free. So now let's move on to chapter 23, the, chapter, the text for today. And then we will, this is considered Joshua's first farewell address. He has two. The second one, we were, Pastor Joseph will unpack it after, after the confirmation week, okay? End of the month. And we will be done with the book of Joshua. Here we see in chapter 23 that 
Joshua himself admitted that he was well in advance in years and that he was probably going to die soon. You know, I read this chapter many times and I read a few commentaries. So no matter how many times I read and the few commentaries that I consulted, I could only draw three major points. Number one, God had fought for you. He told Israel, God had fought for you from verse 2 to verse 3. Then he moved on. God will fight for you. Then, towards the end, he says, there'll be a time will come when God will probably stop fighting for you. We will, then the last two verses is just concluding words, which is a summary. I believe this farewell address in chapter 23 was a reflection and recollection of this old general Joshua. Can you imagine Joshua sitting now in his own backyard or front porch, you call it, sipping a drink and thinking of what God had done for his people? First of all, as he reflected, I believe that he remembers that it was God who fought for him. The first lesson, God had fought for you, he said. Joshua was urging the people to remember that it was the Lord, their God, who fought for them. The phrase, in fact, the phrase, the Lord your God, appears in this chapter eight times. And in, this, in verse three itself, it appears twice. It was mentioned twice. Let's look at verse three. He said to the people, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to this nation for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who fought for you. Of course, the warriors of Israel were involved in a war. It was like a partnership that they had with the Lord their God. It was a partnership with the Almighty God who fought for them. They were successful in their many venture, not out of their own strength and merits. It was the Lord their God who enabled them as they were faithfully obeying and carry out the instructions of the Lord. God gave them instruction. God gave them strategy for war and they obeyed. Remember they had to walk around Jericho how many times? Once a day and then after that seven times and the war came down. They gave a great shout and the war came down. It, it, sounds, it sounded silly but they obeyed and they did that and they won the war then they go in then they went in to take the loot initially it was difficult remember AI it was difficult to obey sometimes but after that they learned their lesson well and they trusted God and obeyed him thereafter thus they were they were encouraged, they were told by Joshua to always remember the Lord their God. And I believe that in asking the Lord to remember, in asking the people to remember their God, it was also reminding them to be thankful and to be grateful to Jehovah God who kept his covenant, his side of the covenant. 
Without God leading, without God, there will be no battle won. But it was the Lord who, who took them from victory to victory. I believe that when our focus is on the Lord, we will also learn to be thankful in all the things that God is doing in our lives. That, that we will begin to look at every situation to be part of our learning curve and it enhances our spiritual growth. I always believe that when we develop a lifestyle of gratefulness and thankfulness, we will always complain less. We complain lesser and we are happier. I have seen that in my own life, so I can tell you that for sure, that when we begin to thank God, begin to give thanks, we will be happier. Scripture tells us that a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Oh, pick your choice. You want a merry heart or you want a broken spirit? The choice is ours to make. It is always a good practice, therefore, to learn to count our blessing regularly. I think one of the lessons that we can learn from this as we reflect in our own life and think of this, the Lord our God, who has seen us through difficult situation, His promise to us is that He will never leave us nor will He forsake us. As we learn to count our blessing, we are giving thanks to God. As we learn to count our blessing, we are encouraging ourselves as well. Better still, every day, count our blessing. On your way to your bedroom, on your way to your bed, before you close your eyes, just think of one blessing that you can count for that day. Not negative things, but think of something that you can think, thank God for. And say, God, thank you. And for a good night's rest as well. But think of something to thank God for each night. This may be a little count your blessing project for all of us to follow. A personal count your blessing project every day. So count the blessing God has bestowed upon us. It is not to be a chore. Sometimes I ask people, can, you, can we thank God for something in your life? Just one thing. They take a long time to thank God. It, is not, it shouldn't be a chore. It should be a joy and a pleasurable thing to do. We enter the courts with thanksgiving and enter His gates with praise. So we are supposed to do that. Now, of course, we can share our blessing with our pre-believer friends as part of our evangelistic effort, as part of being a thought and light and pointing them to the Lord. So the second point, God will fight for you. We saw last week in Joshua 13 verse 1 that Joshua was told, was, was told that he was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Then God went on to name the, name the different land that yet to be possessed. 
Then Joshua assured the people that God will fight for them and drive the inhabitants of this land so that Israel could go and possess the land. So this assurance is based and anchored upon God's promise to Israel in verse 5. And Joshua said this to them, The Lord your God will push them back before you and will drive them out of your sight. You shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. So that's what Joshua told them, assured them. And this assurance is based on God's promise. Here we have again in this verse, two times the Lord your God was mentioned. And the people just can, should rest and stand on this promise of God. The promise that the Jehovah God will drive the enemies out of the land so that the people of Israel could possess them. God will indeed fight for his chosen people out of his great love for them. And that's God, God's part of the deal that God will fight for them. On the part of the people, they have to do something. In verse 6 and 9, it says, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of law of Moses, turning aside, not turning aside from it, neither to the left hand or to, to the right that you may not mix with this nation rem remaining among you, but, or make mention of the names of their God, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow them to them. Does this first part of the verse sound familiar? It reminds us of the charge that was given in chapter 1, isn't it? The charge that was given to Joshua at the beginning of his conquest. Let's take a quick look at it. In verse 7, it says, God told Joshua, Only be very strong and be very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law itself shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I believe as part of his reflection, Joshua knew that he, was, he did his best to be faithful in fulfilling this charge that was given to him. And he, he has seen the Lord leading him and guiding him to be successful in the many conquests because he was bold and courageous in obeying the word of God. Joshua himself had first-hand experience of that verse. He knew that it happened to him and he Post this charge. He passed on this charge to the next generation. And I believe Joshua and his team of warriors could testify 
that when they were courageous and they were faithful in obeying God, God fought for them. Now towards the end of his life, Joshua stood before his people and he passed on this charge, his experience to the people. He knew it was of great importance that the people should keep their focus on the Lord so that their heart will be in the right place. Their, their heart will not be lured by the attraction of the land. And in the next verse, he told them to cling on to the Lord. In verse 9, he says, But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to today, to this day. In other words, jo Joshua was telling them, you have done well so far. Do continue to cling on to the Lord. You have done well. God, you have been faithful and God has been faithful. Done, continue to do so and God will continue to fight for you. So it is very important for us, for you and me, to hide the word of God in our hearts. Psalms 119 says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let not me not wander from your commandment. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is important for you and me to, to cling on to the word of God and to obey the word so that we will not sin against the Lord. Scripture reveals to us the heart of God. Scripture reveals to us to walk in step with the Lord. D.L. Moody has this quote. D.L. Moody said this, The Bible will keep you away from sin, and sin will keep you away from the Bible. How true, isn't it? The Bible will keep you away from sin, just like the psalmist says. But how, however, sin will keep us away from the Bible. I always say this, the devil come to kill, steal, and destroy. Anything and everything that he can put his, put his hand in to distract us. The charge that Joshua gave to the people of Israel is also for us today to be very strong in obeying the Word of God. The faith walk is a walk that requires boldness and courage. We all know that it takes a lot of boldness and courage to trust the Lord, to obey the Lord. May the Lord help us to obey. We thank God there's New Testament believers that we have the Holy Spirit who is our help and our counsellor to lead and guide us in the journey. If we continue obeying God, God who had fought for us will continue to fight for us. But will there come a time when God will stop fighting for us? Will there? Well, Joshua went on to cautious the danger ahead. He, rem he cautious the people of the danger ahead. Some hard truth that the people need to hear. 
In verse 12 and 13, he said this. He warned them, If you turn back and cling to the remnants of this nation of remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, now know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they shall be what? A snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish, until you perish from off this good land that the Lord has given you. The warning here was was that when they begin to lose their focus on the Lord and turn away from God, their hearts as well as their eyes will soon wander. Sin will turn us from the Bible. Sin will also be very attractive and lead us away from the Lord. They will begin, what they will do, they will begin to indulge in the way of the pagan nations. Remember, there were some remnants uh, probably of, of the people of these pagan nations, people of these pagan nations that remain in Canaan. Instead of blessing the ways of the pagan nation, what does it say here? They will become a snare, a trap, a whip, and thorns. In other words, they will get into all kinds of trouble. Israel was specially chosen of God to be a holy nation, a people who belongs to God. They were supposed to be a weakness to the rest of the nation. If they begin to behave like one of the pagan nations, then what difference does it make? There will be no difference at all. It is the same for you and me. If we begin to in, be in touch in the things of this world, what will we be like our pre-believing Christians? By cautioning them of the danger ahead, Joshua was telling them to be careful. Careful to guard their hearts against the ways of the pagan nations. When Joshua and the, and the team of leaders were no longer around, we read in Judges that their hearts, the people, the, the people that are of Israel began to turn their heart away. We know that years down the road, they turned their back to God. If you look at Judges chapter 2, it says there, and all that nation also gathered at their, to their fathers. And there rose another generation after them who did not know God or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in, their, in the sight of God and served Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them. And what happened? They provoked the, the Lord in anger. And this was what happened 
in the book of Judges. If you read the book of Judges, we all know that. They were so distressed. They were so stressed because they turned their back on God and they began to worship other gods, the false god. Idolatry kicked in. And they placed their hope and security in the false god. And in verse 15, it says, Whenever they marched in Judges, uh, wherever they marched, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, for the Lord, had, as the Lord had warned, for the Lord had sworn to them, and just as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. What does this teach us? When we draw away from far, far away from God, when our mind is not focused, when we think of a lot of other things, we will be in terrible distress. God has forewarned the people of Israel through Joshua, but they did not pass the message down to the next generation. So the new generation turned their back against God and provoked the anger of God. For you and me, this warning is also for you and me. Romans tells us this. Romans chapter 12 said this, that we are, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by, test, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's learn to be careful and not allow ourselves to be conformed to the ways of the world. I was just thinking, what would the snares, the trap, the weep and the thorn looks like in the modern day times? I'm sure you can think of a lot of things like scams, maybe it's a trap. The snares, people misunderstand you, um, stab you on the back. So let's learn to partner with the Lord in our walk with God. Do not be conformed to the world. Scripture also revealed to us in 1 John that the desires of the world will fade away. But those who does the will of God abides forever. So let's learn to do the will of the Lord. Then in chapter, in verse, chapter 23, verse 14 to 16, were just the concluding words of Joshua for this first, first speech. And there's just two things that he said, okay, in that two verses. First, that God has fulfilled his promise. That all that God promised to the people have come to pass. Not a word was not fulfilled. And secondly, not to provoke God's anger. Warn them to be faithful and not to provoke or kindle the anger of the Lord or they will be driven out of the wonderful land. So, brothers and sisters, as we look at this, this chapter, let's learn to count our blessing for the God who has fought for us. 
Let's cling on to the Lord and stay focused on Him and not to be conformed to the ways of the Lord. I mean, not to be conformed to the ways of the world, but allow the Word of God to transform us. Word of God to lead us and guide us. Amen. May the Lord help us. Let's, we've talked about ancient Israel. Let's turn our hearts now to the modern Israel. I told you that I was preparing this and I was looking at my third point and I say, God, I'm going to say. <laughs> but that was ancient Israel. But now, we don't forget this verse that says that if my people would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and cry out to him, God will heal from heaven and heal their land. We want to pray for Israel. I was looking at the internet of what have been people been praying for Israel, and these are the few things. Praying for healing, praying for peace, praying for justice, praying for restoration, praying for bravery. I think it's a hard time for them. So instead of pray, instead of having a response song, I thought we would just respond by praying for modern day Israel. Healing, many are hurt. Many has lost their lives. Many lost their homes. They need healing of emotions, healing of relationship. We pray for peace to be restored. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray peace and security be restored. Pray for justice to prevail. It was unexpected attack. Let's pray for justice to prevail. Pray for the restoration of land, of lives, of homes. And pray for bravery that they will not give up. And that many will begin to turn their heart back to God. I will encourage you to partner with one person or two. You just pray for Israel this afternoon. You may say they are so far away, they've got nothing to do with us. But Israel is God's chosen land. So let's do that, shall we? We'll do that for the next five minutes. Let's pray for Israel. <laughs>